Welcome to the sermon podcast of South Hills Church in Costa Mesa. My name is Chris Kretzu, and I'm the campus pastor here. Thank you for carving out the time to listen to this today. I hope that you will be encouraged and challenged, and ultimately that you'll have a deeper sense of God's love for you. I'll be back after the message is over, but until then, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. It is so great to have you all here this morning as we uh, inch closer and closer hour by hour to Christmas. Uh, My name is Chris. I'm a campus pastor here at South Hills in Costa Mesa, and uh, I'm so grateful that you are here to celebrate with us. Um, I know that some of you, this is your home church. Uh, Some of you were invited. Some of you are excited to be here. Some of you were forced or bribed, just like every good family holiday event. Uh, And whatever reason it is that brought you here, I'm just so glad that you are. And I think that it's an incredible opportunity for us to to take a moment, to pause, to uh, kind of remove ourselves from the the hectic realities of holiday planning and prep and to to remember. Um, We've been lighting these Advent candles all month long, one each, each Sunday. And there's a few reasons why we do this. One is because candles are beautiful. Uh, there's just something about candles that um, the, the flickering flame, and it just kind of draws us in. Uh, another aspect of it is the intentionality that you have to approach lighting a candle with, lighting the match, making sure that it doesn't blow out for you guys watching it happen. There's an anticipation of, is it going to work or are they going to burn the place down? Uh, The anticipation that comes around it. And then the third thing is that candles kind of, they kind of signify that something's happening. The times that we light candles in our homes, it's not normally just because it's a, a Wednesday. Like usually there's something happening, someone coming, there's, there's an environment that we're trying to set, there's something special happening. And so all of these are, are, are some of the reasons why we light these Advent candles. There's beauty at Christmas that we get to uncover and discover. Um, there's an anticipation and an intentionality with which we approach Christmas Day, the sense of something is coming, something is going to happen. And then that something is special. It matters. It means something. And, and the light has come into the darkness. And the darkness cannot overcome it. That's what John wrote in his gospel. Uh, there are so many different traditions and things that we are familiar with at Christmas. Uh, modern traditions of making Christmas cookies. And I'm sure many of us have kind of our own personal family traditions and the tradition of celebrating all things Mariah Carey and all the important aspects of Christmas. And then there's these ancient traditions like giving gifts and and some of the songs that we sing on Christmas are songs that people have been singing for hundreds and even a thousand years. Uh, And there's something really special about singing these same words year after year that people have been singing for generations. Uh, The Christmas story itself is familiar to a lot of us. Um, the nativity story, the wise men and the shepherds and the angelic choir and, and Mary and Joseph and this baby Jesus. And, and even the name Jesus is, is familiar for a lot of people, even if you're not really a church person. You, you know the name Jesus. Um, and it's interesting because there is a, a weight that comes along with naming a child. I've named two kids 
neither of those names were decided easily. Uh, there was a battle to figure out what we were going to go with and, and what made sense. And, um, you know, I don't know if anybody else has ever named a child before, but you never realized how many people you dislike until your spouse starts suggesting names. It's like, oh, no, I knew one of those. Uh, it's not going to work. Luckily, Mary and Joseph didn't choose the name Jesus. The angel told them that that would be what they should name him. But the name Jesus, while it's familiar to us, names in the ancient Near East, they all had a really deep, symbolic meaning. They, they communicated, it wasn't just what you called someone, it was really who they were. The names that people had were deeply descriptive and meaningful. The name Jesus actually means the Lord is salvation, which is a pretty accurate description of Jesus. And it's something that it's important for us to remember. And, and if there's an aspect of Christmas that can feel too familiar for us, I want to give us an opportunity to focus on something a little bit different today. Um, I know for me, over the last couple of weeks, as we've been approaching Christmas and planning, and we've got family things and friends things and church things and, and all these different types of things, um, I love Christmas. I love the music and the movies, and, and, and I have partaken in all of it, uh, and it's been great. Uh, but there's still kind of just this sense of disconnect for me personally this year that I've been trying to navigate, and it's a little bit weird sometimes as a pastor uh, to articulate that, um, but I would imagine that maybe for some of you, there's also a little bit of a disconnect this year. Maybe this is a, the first really difficult Christmas for some of you. Maybe Christmas is always difficult. Uh, for some of you, maybe you're firing on all holiday cylinders and everything is just perfect and that's great. But what I want to invite us all to is this realization that we don't have to show up with a full kind of experience of all of the lights and joy and shininess and celebration because that wasn't always a part of the Christmas story. Uh, we get to arrive exactly as we are to the Christmas story. About 700 years before Jesus was born, there was a man named Isaiah, and he was what's called a prophet, and God would speak to a prophet, and the prophet would then speak on behalf of God to his people, to God's children. And, and so Isaiah had a lot to say to his people, but there's a verse that has become really a primary kind of Christmas verse for us. But 700 years before Jesus was named and born, Isaiah actually articulated who Jesus would be, and he gave him four names. I want to read this verse. It's Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. This is one of my favorite Christmas passages. And while if you ever asked a question in church, a safe answer is always Jesus. Uh, today, I want to just focus on these other four names that he was given. Because these aren't just cool ways, uh, cool names for Jesus. They actually are deeply meaningful. They describe the character of who Jesus is. And that can actually impact the way that we navigate Christmas and, and our day-to-day -day lives. The first name is Wonderful Counselor. And this name, to me, 
kind of communicates this idea of wisdom and understanding. Um, I have uh, told you guys this before. I have a therapist that I see. Uh, I believe that you can love Jesus and have a therapist. And some of you guys need a therapist. And uh, I've got recommendations. But I've got a therapist. And uh, I spent a lot of time with my therapist. His name is Kevin. And he's an incredible man. And he takes the information that I give him. And he kind of reflects it back to me. So I share. He assumes that I'm being honest and open with him. Uh, and then he reflects back to me and helps me kind of understand maybe what I'm missing or what I'm not connecting well. And it's super helpful. It's incredibly helpful. Jesus is called the Wonderful Counselor, and it's, it's more than a therapist because Jesus is within us and all around us. Jesus is aware of our heart, our mind, our spirit, our fears, our desires, our concerns, Whatever it is that's weighing on our minds, Jesus is already aware. And not only is he aware of us uniquely and individually, but he also understands what it's like to navigate the day-to-day realities of life. Uh, The writer of Hebrews says it this way in uh, chapter 4 of the book of Hebrews. He says, we do not have a high priest, talking about Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he didn't sin. So let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This wonderful counselor that we have isn't disconnected from us, floating somewhere up in the heavens, wondering why we can't figure it out. This is God who has come near who has experienced humanity, who has lived life in a broken world of tense family relationships and political chaos and all of the things, and he understands. And so the scripture says, so we should have confidence to come to our Heavenly Father because he understands and he offers us grace in our time of need. Christmas tells us that God understands what it is that we are going through and our wonderful counselor is able to guide us. The second name that he was given is Mighty God. And this is kind of what a lot of us think of when we think about God, this this symbol of strength, superiority, might. Uh, But it's fascinating because when God showed up, he did it in the most vulnerable way possible. God was birthed. And then had to be nursed and changed and cared for and make sure that he didn't put his hands in the poop of the stable (laughs) and eat any Legos and all these types of things. The the small vulnerability of of a newborn baby is the carrier for the mighty God. And it's a little bit dissonant for some of us because it kind of goes against what we think or what we assume or maybe even what we hope God to be. But I think what it does is it communicates to us that God is strong even in vulnerability. And it invites us to recognize that I do not have to be the strongest one in the room. I can be cared for. I need to be cared for. I don't have to have every answer to every solution 
I don't have to be the one that is able to overpower and outthink and outsmart every problem because I'm not the mighty God. The mighty God has come close. And maybe this Christmas you and I need to remember that God's strength is most visible when we acknowledge our weaknesses and our vulnerabilities. The third name that he's given is maybe the the most confusing one. He's called Everlasting Father, which it's like, wait, I thought that this was the Son of God. How is he also the Everlasting Father? Um, There's this idea of uh, the creator of something being the father of that thing. Alexander Graham Bell is the father of the telephone. Henry Ford is the father of the American automobile industry. DJ Cool Herc is the father of hip-hop. And our public schools don't do enough education on that topic. But So I want to take it upon myself to make sure you understand. And I think a lot of us are under the misconception that Jesus began on that Christmas morning. But Jesus has always existed. And actually, if you go back to the Genesis poem, uh, the creation poem in Genesis 1, uh, Scripture tells us that as God spoke the word, that things were formed. And then as we get into the book of John, it says that the word was with God, and the word was God, and then the word came to us. And in John chapter 1, his version of the Christmas story is a bit more poetic, He says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. There's a sense of of the source of creation now becoming one of his created humans. This idea that there is an everlasting father of life and creation that we belong to, that we're invited to lean into. All things began in Christ, and they continue in our understanding that we are loved, adopted sons and daughters of Jesus, and that he loves us with an everlasting fatherly love. And there is a sense of belonging that comes with that title, an everlasting father. The the last name is the Prince of Peace. I think that we all are hoping for at least a moment of peace this Christmas. This might be the quietest that it'll be for you over the next 48 hours. That's why I picked this music. I turn the lights down. This is my gift to you. Um, it's interesting because for us, you know, peace is, is silence, you know. Uh, Webster defines peace as freedom from disturbance or tranquility. Um, And that doesn't really describe who Jesus is. And the biblical definition of peace is a little bit different. The the word used in the Hebrew scriptures for peace is the Hebrew word shalom. And it doesn't really have to do with an absence of conflict. It has more to do with a sense of being whole. Um, One author described shalom or this idea of peace as nothing missing and nothing broken. And I think that that's what Jesus offers us. Jesus is the Prince of Peace and he comes and later on in John chapter 16, he actually says, my peace I give you. I don't give you as the world gives peace. 
my peace is different. The world's peace comes with, I've got enough power to have my own way. I've got enough resources to do what I want. I've got enough smarts to make my own decisions. These are the things that give us peace according to the world. But Jesus says, I can give you peace even when everything feels like chaos. I can give you peace in the midst of the storm. I can, I can bring peace in the midst of family tensions, in the midst of broken relationships, in the midst of financial challenges. I can, I can provide peace in the midst of that. And that's why he's called the Prince of Peace. And he reminds us that rather trying to find it the way that the world offers, there is a different source. Thomas Merton, an author and theologian, he wrote about peace this way. He said, we are not at peace with others because we are not at peace with ourselves. And we're not at peace with ourselves because we are not at peace with God. There is a source of peace. And if you are grasping and looking for things to give you peace that are not God, they will ultimately fail. They might provide peace for a season or a, the illusion of peacefulness, but that's not the peace that God offers. And so as we sing carols and celebrate with family and feast on all of our favorite foods and open gifts and make memories, I want us to, to allow ourselves to show up for Christmas exactly as we are. Because maybe you're excited and this is your favorite Christmas ever. Maybe you're wrestling and struggling and doubting and wondering. And all of us are invited to this Christmas. All of us are invited to experience the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace. There's um, one other name that Jesus was given. This one wasn't by a prophet and it wasn't by his parents. It was actually given to him as an insult. In John, or Matthew chapter 11, um, there was a lot of people that were upset about Jesus and what he was saying and how he was acting. And they said, Jesus is the friend of sinners. Technically, they said he's the friend of tax collectors and sinners. But there's a lot more sinners in the room than there are tax collectors. <laughs> so we'll just narrow it down. It was meant as an insult. It was meant as this idea of, would you look at who he's spending time with? Would you look at who he's inviting to his table? Would you look at the people that he cares about, the, the people he listens to, the people that he validates and values? And they were blown away because they were, they were holy and smart and educated and religious, and they had all this stuff figured out. And how could this person who claims to be the Messiah, how could he spend his time with them? And again, I just find myself being struck by the invitation and the reality that Christmas is for each of us. Whether you are a person of faith who is struggling, whether you are a person who you would just not even sure what you believe, you're skeptical and cynical and doubting, wherever you're at on the spectrum, there's an invitation for us to acknowledge Emmanuel, God with us, providing wisdom and guidance, providing strength in our vulnerability and weakness, providing belonging by allowing us to have an everlasting Father, providing peace even in the midst of chaos, and always making space at His table for you and I.
This is what we get to celebrate at Christmas. Let's pray together. Well, regardless of where you may be at in your faith journey, I believe that everyone has a next step that they can take. If you'd like more information about what it means to put your trust in Jesus, information about getting baptized or maybe even attending a Discover class to grow more in your faith, you can visit us online at southhills.org forward slash Costa Mesa and then scroll down to the next steps section. If you'd like more information about tithing or supporting South Hills financially, you can visit southhills.org forward slash giving. Thanks again for listening today, and I hope that I get to see you soon.